Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Headlines on CIUT 89.5 FM. I'm your co-host Aisha Ali, joined by my fellow co-hosts Ragini Singh Pavar and Yashu Sharma. Beyond the Headlines is a weekly current affairs show that aims to make public policy discussions more accessible to you. We take you beyond the headlines of our daily news, bringing you access to current leaders through in-depth interviews. You can join us in the conversation by tweeting at beyond underscore headlines. That's B-Y-O-N-D underscore headlines. Following the rise of social media and digital platforms, digital activism has become a cornerstone of the most recent social movements, especially the fourth wave of feminism, characterized by online movements such as Me Too and Time's Up. Organizing digitally has enabled these feminist movements to reach much wider audiences and led to large-scale participation the world over. This week's episode dives into what fourth wave feminism is and how digital media has contributed to its performance. Our first guest on the show today is Dr. Zaina Faruqi. Dr. Faruqi earned her PhD in Women and Gender Studies and Diaspora and Transnational Studies at the University of Toronto. She is currently an SSHRC postdoctoral fellow at Concordia University and an assistant professor at the University of Toronto, Mississauga. Her dissertation, Digital Islamophobia, a comparison of right-wing extremist groups in Canada, the United States, and India, investigated and tracked the gendered, effective, and transnational digital strategies, rhetoric, and affinities of anti-Muslim extremist actors on Twitter via qualitative discourse analysis. Building on her dissertation, Dr. Faruqi's postdoctoral research will conduct a mixed methods comparison of Hindu nationalist and white supremacist discourses on YouTube in order to further assess the effective and affinitive alignments among extremist groups and their exploitation of audiovisual affordances. Dr. Faruqi's work emphasizes feminist approaches to extremism, digital media, and transnational and diaspora studies and highlights the urgent need to better understand how national and transnational extremist rhetoric manifests, spreads, and persuades across digital ecologies. Hi, Dr. Faruqi. So how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good to welcome to Beyond the Headlines. We are very grateful to have you with us today to talk about fourth wave feminism and digital activism. Uh, so let's get started with the first question. Mm-hmm. What is feminism and what does it mean to you? Yeah, I think it's a good question to start with. And feminism, I think in general, is sort of belief in the social, political and economic equality of all sexes. And um, it's based on this belief that all individuals, regardless of their, you know, gender and sexuality, um, should have sort of equal right and opportunities, uh, for example, right to vote, right to work, right to um, education, and so on and so forth. But feminism is not simply about uh, women. It's about a creating a, a just society for everyone, regardless of their sexuality or race or, you know, gender. And it's about challenging the system of oppression that maintain inequality and is about creating a world where everyone has sort of the opportunity to reach um, their full potentials. So to me, uh, feminism is um, a f- is a form of embodiment. It means being anti-racist. Um, it means being anti-capitalist. It means being anti-ableist. It means being anti-patriarchy. And so I am originally from Iran. And, and as an Iranian-Canadian woman, feminism means to me uh, diff- uh, means different things to me. So in one hand, uh, on one hand, feminism to me means challenging and dismantling the patriarchal Iranian state that maintain inequality and sort of limit the potential of women. So to me, feminism means challenging the oppressive and restrictive laws and policies imposed by the government, such as the mandatory hijab 
and restrictions on women's movements and participation in public life. Also, as a Muslim immigrant living in Canada, feminism to me means dismantling system of oppression that are interrelated, such as racism, sexism, homophobia, Islamophobia, and xenophobia that we face here in Canada. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I feel like the you know whenever we talk about feminism and like what feminism actually means, there's the there's a huge debate to like uh, try and figure out what the actual definition is and. Plus, like what feminism means to like each individual. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I agree with like, you know, like every point that you made that uh, it, it can mean different things. And it depends on like your own lived experiences as well. Um, exactly. so, so my next question then is that there is some debate regarding the timeline of for the fourth wave uh, of feminism. And some say that it isn't a different wave, rather a continuation of the third wave. Do you think that's true? And if it isn't, then how would you distinguish the fourth wave? So, um, as you said, there are some debates regarding um, the timeline for the fourth wave of feminism. So some argue, some um, uh, uh, scholars and some activists argue that it's it's a, communi- uh, is a continuation of the... So they argue that the fourth wave is a continuation of the third wave of feminism, which basically began in the 1990s, and focus on issues such as reproductive rights, you know, workplace equality, and sexual harassment. Other scholars and activists argue that the fourth wave is a sort of distinct movement that began a decade ago and is characterized by a focus on intersectionality and the use of social media and online activism and so on and so forth. But like many scholars, I believe that um, emphasize on the term fourth wave implies a linear progress of feminist movements where each wave of feminists builds on the previous one and address new issues. But that is not what feminism is. is that is not how feminism functions. Feminism movement is a sort of complex and ongoing struggle. What we see in the very last decades, whether we want to call it fourth wave or not, is a continuation of the previous waves, which has been characterized by its focus on intersectionality and the recognition that system of oppression intersects and worsens the expression of women. So in the last decade, we witnessed some progress in feminist movements, for example, body positivity and gender identity, emphasis on, on diverse experience of women and women of color, trans women and disabled women and etc. So, but in the very last decade, feminism has somehow become more inclusive, uh, so to speak, intersectional and global in nature. But at the same time, it becomes more performative and less politically engaged. And that has been reduced to a sort of brand and that companies and, you know, celebrities use for their personal gains. Yeah. And so then, like, following up on that, I would I would ask, like, okay, then how big of a role do you think digital media has played in the advancement of the fourth wave? And then do you think that it was one of the driving factors that has made this phenomena global? Um, because a lot of people, like, keep talking about the fourth wave just because now they have access to social media and everybody has a smartphone. Um, mm-hmm. So do you think that that has helped a lot? So yes, digital media, particular social media platforms such as Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram play a significant role in the advancement of feminism and its causes. 
Um, now we know women and marginalized groups across national and transnational contexts takes advantage of social media platforms to, for example, share their stories, raise consciousness about issues, organize protests and events, build solidarity across national borders, among other things. One good example of use of social media platform that I think many of us are aware of it is a case of Me Too movement, which brought global attention to the issue of sexual harassment. Um, women from all walks of life uh, employed this hashtag to share the experience with others in terms of like sexual harassment that they um, experienced. And using this hashtag, a sense of solidarity among survivors have been forged and also um, these hashtags and, uh, and similar ones sort of help women who were subjected to sexual harassment and violence to, uh, to break the silence. We also have hashtags such as Black Lives Matter that draw our attention to racial discrimination and violence against Black people and the ways in which the criminal justice systems, law enforcement, and other institutions perpetuate racial inequality and violence against Black people. And these hashtags uh, draw our attention to further issues, uh, further systematic discrimination that Black people face in areas uh, such as you know, education, housing, healthcare, and employment. Additionally, however, women in uh, women and minorities in um, uh, are using social media platforms to shed light on issues that might not be really noticed or known. Uh, very recently, in fact, in Iran, a 22-year-old woman named Maha uh, Mahsa Amini was killed in um, police custody. She was arrested by uh, so-called morality police because she did not wear the hijab in accordance with government standard. So she was killed while she was in, um, in police custody. And in the wake of her death, many protesters, mainly women, have come to the street and um, now this moment is being referred to as Zan Zendegi Azadi, which means woman, life, freedom. And the movement basically calls for the justice and end uh, to the patriarchal regime of Iran. And many of the protesters, as I said, are women. And many of them are being brutally beaten, jailed, and even killed. And some of the protesters have been executed without any due process. So since the movement started, the government has shut down the internet. And despite the fact that they shut down the internet, people use various VPN to post images and videos of their protests online. And people in diaspora also use resources available to them, including social media platforms, to amplify the voice of Iranians uh, and, and their requests. I, as an Iranian Canadian, use my voice, the privilege and resource I have to bring attention to the situation of women in Iran. So what by this example, what I'm trying to do is that to um, say that social media platform can be used as a powerful tool to mobilize, raise awareness, and create sense of community and solidarity um, uh, around issues of gender equality and social justice. But they can also constrain uh, such movements because, for example, in the case of Iran, they still can just simply shut down the internet. So it has pros and cons. Yeah. No, I agree. And I uh, I know like in the news, there's a lot of information that's being shared and uh, there are a lot of videos that like protesters in Iran have been sharing. Uh, and it's truly heartbreaking to see the situation there. But um, I, I truly believe that like it genuinely helps for people to actually see and like understand what is happening on the ground over there so that they can actually like mobilize and like try and like create a difference and like make a change. Um, 
So then when we talk about like these different hashtags, like the hashtag Me Too movement or the BLM movement, um, do you think like these movements and like the rise of social media uh, made like the fourth wave feminism uh, more inclusive than like feminist movements have been in the past? Mm-hmm. Well, the answer I think is both yes and no. Um, on one hand, the rise of social media has allowed for wider range of voices and perspectives to be heard and amplified. It also helped marginalized groups to share their stories and experiences. Um, and this has led to emergence of feminist movement that is more inclusive and global in nature. However, social media can also perpetuate and amplify existing inequalities and biases. For example, the algorithm of social media platforms can reinforce echo chambers and filter bubble, um, which can um, basically um, um, sort of expose people to the information that reinforce their own existing perspective rather than really um, uh, creating a diversity in perspectives um, among people. Also, online harassment, online misogyny, and trolling can disproportionately affect marginalized groups, specific women, and discourage them from participating in online space and online activism. Also, in my research, which is about right and extremist groups, I uh, always talk about how they exploit various social media platforms to spread misinformation and propaganda and to silence or intimidate those who speak out, specifically women. So yes and no, because on one hand, the rise of social media has provided powerful tools and new avenues for feminist activists and social justice issue, but also it has been used by many right and extremist groups uh, and individuals to spread hate, hate speech and propaganda and disinformation. Yeah, I, I think you're right, because I feel like social media in that sense has like its pros and cons. And uh, sometimes it's it's like a necessary evil where, uh, yes, you need it because it has like good uh, pros as well, where you can like use it for something good. But then at the same time, you need to be like pretty careful about the way it is being used. Um, mm-hmm. So then what do you think about the claim that the fourth wave has largely been reduced to just performative messages on social media and it has become a brand that companies just use to like uh, basically promote stuff uh, rather than it actually meaning something? Well, I don't know if if performative feminism, the act of, you know, publicly expressing feminist beliefs or values without really committing to the principle and goals of the feminist movement is is a new um, uh, phenomenon as such. But in fact, in the digital era, um, we have witnessed a rise in performative feminism and how the feminist language, for example, is hijacked by politicians for their their own personal gains. So feminism, for some people, has become like a brand. There are people who um, exploit feminist hashtags or wear clothing with the feminist message uh, without really uh, meaningfully supporting gender equality uh, as a way to gain attention and to sort of improve their own images. But despite the fact that there are people who use feminist um, language, feminist mottos for their personal gains, there are others who are truly committed to feminist and social justice causes. In the example of Black Lives Matter movement, hashtag Maso Amini in the case of Iran and other case, cases, we see that there are people who are really 
committed to the feminists uh, and and its causes and they are really committed to social justice issue and they are really committed to social transformation and they are using any resources and any tools they have including social media platform to fight against inequality right so with that the other question that i have is that the access that women have to digital media differs in different countries and since this movement started off in the west do you think it gained the same level of momentum in countries like india where the issue of women's safety has been a very big concern for a while now and mm-hmm. to that extent do you think that this movement has been successful then in including women of all backgrounds Um that's a very good question and yes the access that women have to digital media differs in different parts of the world. In fact in 2023 we still have a digital divide. On one hand we have a gap up, um, a, a gap in accessing the internet between individuals and between global north and global south. And on the other hand we there is a divide in terms of skills and knowledge to use technology. So in places like India and Iran uh, while there is a growing number of women who are basically using social media um still there is a gender divide and um, I think according to 2019 report by the internet and the mobile association of India uh, only 33% of internet users in India are women in the case of Iran for example um generally speaking women who live in the urban areas of Iran have better access to internet and they also have more advanced technology than those who live in rural areas plus there are disparities between regional and rural urban internet access and usage and women in rural areas and those from lower socioeconomic backgrounds are less likely to have access to the internet than those with higher incomes So while the feminist movement has been more inclusive and global in nature um due to digital divide the voices of some women especially those from low uh, socioeconomic background are less likely to be heard this means that we have a situation where the perspective and priorities of urban middle class individuals become the central public discourse while the perspectives and concerns and voices of rural, rural lower income communities are sort of marginalized and not heard yeah i agree i feel like um we very often like forget that there is like still a a section of society and like a section of the world that like does not have that readily available access to uh, internet or social media and often like their voices are just not heard um so yeah i i i agree like you know the digital divide like still exists to like a certain extent so so now like switching gears do you think men's role in the feminist wave um has evolved over time and how big of a concern does the growing like digitization of anti-feminist movements gaining some form of legitimacy place for the success of future feminist movements Well yes um men historically have played a very significant role in feminist movement some men have acted as allies and have been active supporters of women's causes they have participated in women led protests there are men who speak out against gender based violence and discrimination and advocate for policies that promote gender equalities 
We also unfortunately have had men who actively oppose women's movements and believe in governing women's bodies, women's sexuality, and always uh, attempt to uh, sort of control women's um, body through different policies uh, and law. In the last uh, few decades, with the rise of social media, there is an increased recognition of how traditional masculinity can harm women um, and men equally. Now men, more, uh, more than ever, uh, strive to actively educate themselves and they began recognizing their privileges and the ways in which they benefit from patriarchal system. So we see now more and more men actively working towards dismantling the patriarchal system. Um, however, at the same time, in the digital age, we are witnessing the growing digitalization of anti-feminist movement, as you said. Uh, movements such as men's rights activists and instills are very common now on social media platforms. And these groups exploit digital platforms to dis uh, disseminate hateful messages against feminists, uh, mobilize against feminist movements, spread disinformation, promote misogyny and violence, among other things. And so they sort of create this sort of hostile environment for women and marginalized groups. In my research, which is about right-wing extremist groups, I come across many of these right-wing extremist groups that call feminism, for example, a cancer. Many of these groups uh, that I examine believe that men are oppressed and men are being denied rights and opportunities and that feminist movements are to blame for the inequality that they perceives. And unfortunately, given the ubiquity and accessibility of social media platforms, many of these um, right-wing extremist groups are able to reach wider audiences. And by so doing, they achieve visibility and sort of legitimacy, which can result in the normalization of misogyny, both online and offline. Yeah, I agree. Like, I feel uh, with the rise of social media, and like to your point earlier, where the algorithm like works differently and it can like create those echo chambers so like if people keep consuming the same hateful and extremist views online then they sort of like start believing in it and like they develop those like misogynistic views and yeah i i do agree that yes like men's role definitely has evolved and they do understand how like they have been benefited from like the patriarchal system but i feel like there's still like considerable amount of work to be done um in order to make sure that the vile hatred that's just spread on social media against women and like feminist movements in general either like kept in check or it's definitely reduced okay so then moving on to the next question would you consider the fourth wave as a successful movement and to that extent how would you define the success like does the success depend on legislative change or would you say that the change in mindset is equally crucial so we have had some success throughout the feminist movement, including in the last decade. There has been some legislative in favor of women, for example, laws and policies related to sexual harassment in the workplace has um, become better and they are improved now to some extent. Also, we have had some success in drawing attention to the range of issues of feminist issues. More people have educated themselves about the complex ways in which different forms of oppression sort of intersect and affect marginalized groups. However, some of the women's rights have been uh, eliminated, specifically in the very last decade. We have lost some of what we have accomplished. Um, the overturning of abortion law in the U.S. is one of the rights that women fought to get and how now they have lost that very right that has sort of set 
back the progress made in terms of reproductive rights and access to legal abortion by several decades or even a century now. In other parts of the world, like Afghanistan, we have lost some of the rights that women gain. And since Taliban took over the country again in 2021, women and girls have been stripped out of some of the rights that they gained in the very last decade. For example, Taliban had has banned women from going to um, secondary education. So these access, um, uh, these cases now show that, yes, we have made some progress in, in some issues, but we have also failed to maintain some of the achievements and rights that we have gained the last um, past decades and before. And regarding your question about whether success depends on legislative change or change in mindset, I would say that success of feminist movement depends on both legislative change and a change in the mindset. They are in fact co-constitutive. You can change legislation if you can change public discourse and attitudes and vice versa. So while legislative change can help to create a legal sort of framework for gender equality, changing in mindsets and perspectives help address the cultural and social norms that shape perspective about gender and gender roles. So legislative change and a change in, in perspectives of people are interconnected and are equally crucial. I would agree. And uh, to your point, like talking about Roe v. Wade, I feel like that was like a very like significant point, like because you would imagine that a country like the US, where, you know, it is said that, yes, it is more liberal and you have more rights. And then when you look at that and the overturning of Roe v. Wade and the fact that women's bodies are now being governed by the government and politics gets involved, it's really disheartening to see that you know, the thousands of women that came before us and that really like worked hard to like fight for reproductive rights now see that in their lifetime that it's it's the complete opposite that we have taken like 10 steps back. And yeah, I, I believe that like the change in mindset is uh, extremely important. And like it's it's like a little cycle that like once your mindset changes, only then can you like expect your leaders to also then implement some sort of like legal change. Um, mm -hmm. which gives women their rights because reproductive rights are human rights, right? Yeah. Okay, and so then I guess now we've moved on to our last question. So if our listeners want to know more about these issues, do you have any recommendations for like books or some articles, some research papers or some documentaries that they can like uh, watch to educate themselves more about uh, feminism? Because I feel like that is a very important thing uh, that people should do. Mm -hmm. Sure, I have some recommendation like, um, when it comes to book, I think Sister Outsider by Audrey Lord, uh, which is a collection of essays and speeches by Audrey Lord that deals with um, themes of intersectionality, feminism, race, and sexuality. Uh, I also recommend Feminism is for Everyone, written by Bell Hooks. Um, in that work, she talks about the ways in which patriarchal system affects everyone, regardless of their gender. Um, the Bridge Called My Back is another interesting source that deals with themes of intersectional race, class, and sexuality. With regards to documentaries, um, there is a documentary called The Most Hated Man on the Internet. And there are many other uh, examples, but I think these are good to good place for people to start and learn about feminism and um, its relation to its focus on uh, race, gender, sexuality, and other aspects. 
thank you so much for your time dr faruqi i genuinely had a great time talking to you and i learned so much and i'm sure that our listeners will also enjoy listening to this very insightful conversation thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure thank you Once again, that was Dr. Zaina Furuki, who joins for a discussion on digital activism and feminism. Many thanks to her for coming onto the show to discuss fourth wave feminism, what it is, and the pivotal role of digital spaces within the movement. You've been listening to Beyond the Headlines on CIUT 89.5 FM. That wraps up the first segment of our episode for this week. Today's show was produced by myself, Aisha Ali, alongside my co-producers, Ragini Singh Pavar and Yashri Sharma. If you liked today's episode, please like and review us from wherever you're listening. The views expressed on the show do not necessarily reflect the views of the producers, CIUT, or the Monk School of Global Affairs and public policy. Be sure to check out podcasts of all our episodes on our website at www.beyondtheheadlines.net as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you're a fan of the show or want to stay up to date with policy issues in Canada, follow us on Twitter at beyond underscore headlines. That's B-Y-O-N-D underscore headlines. You can also check us out on Facebook or Instagram. Be sure to tune in on our second segment as we bring you a conversation about the impacts and significance of fourth wave feminism for China, including the origins of its Me Too movement. Mm-hmm.